the Knicks, Jets, etc. podcast with Alex Trateris, John Malika, and Ricey on the beat. Let's go. What's good, everyone? Alex Terrace here with another Knicks episode of the Knicks, Jets, etc. podcast. So with me, as always, my buddy, my host, my pal, the man with the plan, the dude who's ready to find somebody for the New York Knicks to help them with their shooting woes. The man might go out there himself, go to MSG, and start knocking down some shots. Because guess what? He's a coach, too, and he's got some games that he's got to go to today. He teaches these kids how to shoot, man. He's out there in the streets. The one and only, John Malika. What's going on, bro? Man, I can never get enough of these intros. Uh, yeah, dude, I can't believe the NBA draft is right around the corner. Um, I have, like you said, I have my season. Uh, we have a shortened season that I coach for. Uh, we got two more games today. Things are, we're like somehow still in basketball season. Uh, as our guests were talking to, uh, off air, like there's just been no off season this year, like straight playoffs, basketball, and then like championship. We got NBA draft stuff. And now I have my own personal like coaching stuff. Like, man, just inject more basketball into my veins and hopefully, 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 the answer for the New York Knicks at point guard, at wing, at center, <laughs> everywhere is going to come at least like peek its ugly head uh, and be a little bit resolved within the next week. But I mean, Alex, it's our 100th episode and we have our first recurring guest here to honestly walk us through it all. Yeah, man, we got a wonderful guest with us. Guys, you know him from last year when he helped us break down the Knicks draft last year. We went through every single pick, three plus, <laughs> with him. Now he's coming back. We're not going to torture him again and go through that <laughs> anymore because there's four. We know that would take way too long, and no one wants to hear, well, unless you're really like a draft junkie like this guy, you can probably go for four hours deep on, on draft stuff. We got Corey Teleba back with us again. You know him as the founder of the Hardwood Herald magazine, founder of the Hardwood Herald YouTube channel, also, he's got a podcast out. He didn't have this last year. This is new to me. But he's got the Draft Dak NBA Draft Podcast. So if you need more intel on these prospects, you can go find him at all those places. Corey, what's going on, my man? How are you doing today? Dude, I am, uh, I am fantastic. I am so excited to be here for the 100th episode. I'm excited to be the first recurring guest. I mean, it's draft time. I'm just excited in general. Uh, I'm ready to, to talk everything there is to talk about New York Knicks. And you know what? I, I, I'm not a Jets fan, I'm a Giants guy, but I even wore some green today just uh, to fit into the show. For, for So just use your imagination. For, uh, Let's go. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Uh, for everyone who can't see, Corey decided to honor us with the Seattle Supersonics hat today. Old logo. Love it. I love the vintage logo, too, where you get to see the <laughs> Seattle skyline and the basketball. I'm jealous because I really like that hat, and you're lucky that you're not here. I might have, I might have swiped that, man. I might have swiped that hat. But... Corey, we're happy to have you back. As you know, Nick's draft is for New York fans. It's it's Christmas and it's also freaking hell because the fan base is divided. They don't know who they want. Everyone's got different opinions. Everyone and so many different things going on. You could log on Twitter. You have all these guys who want to go continuously young and never see a, a guy get over the age of like five years <laughs> as a player on this team. And then you have people who are just like, eh, let's continuously tank and, and figure this out. We, you know, we missed our opportunity. Enough with that. The Knicks are the Knicks did well last season, so now we have uh, was we got the nineteenth, twenty first, thirty second, I think the fifty eighth uh, draft selections this year. You know, we don't know if they're gonna gonna select at all. And actually, let's just start it off. 
according to Jonathan Wasserman on Knicks Film School with Jonathan Macri this past Friday, Jonathan Wasserman did report that the Knicks are looking to move up in this draft. So, Corey, I'm guessing I'm going to hit it off uh, for a hot start with you. Who, who do, if the Knicks are looking to move up and package these picks, what, what picks do you think they're going to package? And who do you think they're moving up to get? Who do you think they're targeting? Man, that's actually that's a really tough question because this draft is so talented and it flattens out so much. I I mean, look, I fully expect them to try to move up as well. You saw how aggressive they were last year in turning two worse picks into two better picks, you know, and and around their draft spot. Now, um, I I think that you know if they're going to move up in this draft. I think 32 is what they'll dangle first, obviously. I'm sure, you know, they'd, they'd like to take, uh, 19 and, and 32 or 21 and 32 to, to move up from those spots. But depending on who's on the board, it might possibly have to be 19 and 21 at the same time, which honestly, I, I don't think the Knicks need all of the draft picks that they have in this draft. I don't think Tibbs is going to be a guy who is going to be thrilled to have four rookies on the team. I think, you know, especially the very late second rounder, like, that might be a draft and stash or just a two-way G League, you know, something like that. Uh, but it, look, if if I'm targeting up, I think that one of the guys they might target, because it seems like he's been getting a ton of ton of buzz lately, is Chris Duarte. Uh, and, and he also fits into, I think, maybe the timeline. I, he might be the oldest player on the Knicks uh, as soon as he's drafted, because he's already 24 years old. But... Uh, <laughs> He's going to be telling Julius Randle to carry his bags if he's on the wow. team. <laughs> Literally, him and Obi are going to be the veterans on the team. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but he's been like apparently, you know, a really, really hot name that uh, teams have been really interested in. I I heard he had a promise uh, from the Lakers at twenty two, so I think that's probably his floor. Luckily, the Knicks have uh, you know picks before that spot but i heard that you know he's been gaining a lot of traction more towards the late lotto maybe right after the lotto because he offers some really valuable skills right he's a guy who's a just beautiful stroke knockdown buttery smooth shot he can defend i think he's got underrated athleticism and like like you said he's he's older uh but what's interesting with him is like you know he's older but not like one of those these guys who grew up in the states and then went through the programs and he's just like, like an old college player like he had a unique path um, so his age, you can kind of maybe not excuse, but look at like, Hey, he just took a different path to get here. And, and the opportunity just happened to arise when he was 24 years old. So I think he's a hot name. And then maybe one of the other guys, another guy who's rising too is Trey Murphy. Uh, he, Hell yeah. you know, and he's one of my favorite players in the draft. I, I have him as a lottery guy. He just fits everything that any modern team would want. He's, one of these plethora of six foot nine, seven foot wingspan, knockdown shooters who maybe you hope could develop given the right staff, like into a little bit more. Maybe he shows some off the bounce stuff in a couple of years. You know, he's kind of like the Mikael Bridges archetype. And you saw it with Phoenix in Atlanta this year. They had so many of these guys who they could just like take DeAndre Hunter off the floor and now it's Cam Reddish or, you know, uh, with Phoenix, it's Cam Johnson and Bridges and Crowder, and it's just all of these guys who could be multi-position front court players while also knocking down shots at a really high clip. And Murphy shot forty-three percent from three, but then he also shot ninety-three percent from the free throw line. Now he's not like a high-volume free throw shooter, but I love seeing guys in the high eighties, low nineties with free throw percentage because that means that like 
they don't have potential to just be a good shooter. It means they have potential to be an elite shooter. So I, I think that those might be guys that you target if you move up. Personally, if you can move up high enough and this guy slipped, I would like be doing backflips for Davion Mitchell, but I know that's not a popular opinion <laughs> if you've uh, read the internet at all. Um, but I, I think like Davion would be the ultimate like grand prize, but those other guys would be guys that maybe you can move up a couple of spots to, to land. Okay. Now I, I want, before we, I guess, let me start here. What about James Boopnight? What do you, what do you mm. think about him? Do you think he's another guy? Cause I know he had like a, a good workout, especially showing off his stroke. And I know the Knicks worked him out or were at the, the uh, at the, the shoot around or whatever it was uh, and saw him and were, I'm gathering impressed. Do you think he's another option the Knicks could potentially move up to go get, or do you think that's a little too much to go up and get James Boopnight? Or do you think he's going to be gone before then? Yeah, I don't think they'll be in a, have an opportunity to move up to get him. I think that he's a guy that is gaining a lot of traction for OKC at six, uh, mm-hmm. and then even Golden State at seven. I think his floor might be Orlando at eight at this point. So uh, to get into that top ten, you would have to like trade maybe like quickly, OB take on a bad contract. Like I just think it's mm-hmm. it would be such a hard task to move up that high in the draft because like you said he's he showed out in the workouts he's got the athleticism he's just become such a hot name and uh, you know he shot at 29 percent from three this year so you, on the surface you'd be like oh he might just be a workout guy but it, you know he none of his shots were uncontested uh, like i think he had seven uncontested shots the whole year my uh, god yeah and <laughs> I, I think teams look at him as a guy who's going to be able to score 20 points per game in the league i think he's kind of Jamal Murray-esque because, you know, as impressive as he is creating his own shot on the ball, I love how he moves without it and not even just like going to get a a long range shot. I love his cutting. Um, So I I think he could be that kind of player in the NBA. So to me, like the Knicks just don't have assets as far as draft, draft capital goes and the assets that they do have, I don't think they'd be willing to give up on the off chance that they could get this kid. Cause I don't think Obi and 19 gets it done. Okay. That makes sense. And now I want to go back to, to Chris Duarte who you mentioned yep. first one. I like Chris Duarte, but there were also stuff. There was also uh, reports of him not showing out in his workout. So does yeah. that concern you at all? Or do you think that's just, what do you think about that? I think there was also reports as well that he didn't want to go um, work out for teams and division. No, he didn't want to go to the, the combine. Was that, was that, is that the one that I was reading? Yeah. I don't mm-hmm. think you want to go to combine. So yeah. what do you make of that? He didn't want to go to the combine. He didn't have a really good workout. Do you think that will impact his stock? Do you think that impacts him as a, a, a prospect moving forward? What, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, I think that when guys opt out of the combine, it usually means they got a promise at a spot that, you know, it just it doesn't make sense for them to come work out like a lot of times. Um, okay. So for me, like him not going to the combine and playing like he really didn't have much to prove by by being there. Um, and then I did, you know, I heard about that he wasn't necessarily killing his Knicks workout, but I've also read that he's been killing some other workouts that he had participated in. So I, it's hard to to take into account how much stock to put into these workouts. I think when somebody like blows your mind is when you want to like really take some stock into it. You know, like Damian Lillard had a legendary workout, but 
when if you have like a what like a so-so workout i think it's it's easier especially like when you're at this part of the draft to look at the tape because at the end of the day like these guys are playing basketball not one-on-one shooting in an empty gym like uh they're gonna be playing an nba game so it's it'll be interesting to see i I think that for move if they're gonna move up those are probably some of the targets um because some of the other guys it's like i i don't know you might be able to get some of these other guys before then uh or after after uh you know the lottery or the 15 16 pick like they might just be available at the next pick so as far as the trade-up guys i think those are probably some of the targets yeah. Okay. Okay. And then when it comes to Trey Murphy, I mean, John, if you want to talk about it, we we will. No, Trey no. Murphy. That's that's yeah. that's our guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's, so I'd be stoked. <laughs> that dude's a baller. I mean, I I think Corey was absolutely right. He's he's just a modern NBA. Like, if I can embody that modern NBA, that wing that we're missing, that we, I guess, like some like secretly hope and pray that Bullock is, but he just isn't. Consistently, maybe once in a while he is, and we get all excited. And I feel like Trey Murphy can be that guy. Um, like you said, every playoff team really had a Trey Murphy type on their team when they were successful. And he's a Tibbs guy. And you know, the one thing we've been learning, you know, Alex and I just like continually, you know, read, write, breathe, sleep, you know, eat Knicks is especially with this new front office and the new head coaches is they they have a type. And, you know, Corey, like you alluded to it, I don't see Tibbs drafting four guys this year. Like that, like four rookies on a Tibbs team, like that sounds like Tibbs is hell. Like I see him waking up every day and like actually like, like being miserable with that. So, and like, and again, like you said, the 32nd pick, it's been passed around the league for the last couple of years. Like nobody wants that pick (laughs) for some some weird reason. So I can see it being traded again. Um, and four picks just sounds insane to me. So, the rumors of the Knicks trading up for the first time to me, like, doesn't actually feel like Knicks for clicks. Like, it actually feels legitimate. And when you're talking, you know, when you're talking about who to trade up for, if it is the Trey Murphy, like we've all been talking about for this modern offense to fix the wing, I'd be ecstatic. I don't want to actually trade guys, though. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to trade quickly, like you said. I don't want to trade Obi. Because not only are we depleting the team and the assets, but now there's so much pressure on this kid. And we know how it is in Madison Square Garden. We know how it is, you know, with the rookie wall. Like, even quickly, he would get five threes a game, and the next game he'll miss a couple shots, and we're all, like, freaking out. You know what I mean? Like, there's nothing you can do that's going to take that pressure off, uh, especially on the first year. OB could have an amazing playoffs, and we're like, ah, we don't know, let's trade him. You know what I mean? So, like, there is a certain, you know, stigma that comes and so I, I don't want to trade any guys for anybody, but if you're asking me, like, I know, like, I want to hear um, just some, like, I kind of want to hear some worst case scenarios for the trade ups, right? Like, who who are we going to trade up for to draft? And we're all going to look at each other like, oh, my goodness, it's the same old Knicks. What just happened? Everything was great because like, if we trade up for Trey Murphy, that's fine. Um, I, I think if we trade up, I don't know for, which I, th- I know we're going to get into the other rumor going on for another Kentucky CAA guy that, you know, I, I, I kind of like be looking around, but I'll trust the team. But like, if we're trading up for Duarte, like, I'm kind of going to be pissed. 
Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm just not, I'm not going to be sad. I'm going to be, like, worried. If we trade up for Sharif Cooper, I'm going to be looking around, like, what's happening? <laughs> you know what I mean? So, like, I- I'm curious as to what your, like, worst case scenarios are. I know it's a weird question, but, like, who do you not want on the Knicks that's maybe being, like, rumored to the Knicks or being talked about to the Knicks? Uh, I don't know. I, I kind of like all- most of the guys that have been, like, linked to the Knicks. Like, I love Sharif. Like, I have him. I think I had him 10th on my my overall big board. I actually had a, a scout tell me, too, that he's, like, a sneaky top 10 guy in this in this draft. Um, but as far as, like, disastrous trade-ups, like, if I was a Knicks fan and, let's say, the Knicks traded up for, like, Kai Jones, like, I would boo if I was like I'll be I'll be at the draft live I'll boo that pick um <laughs> myself I, I, I just by the way I just love that you know when we first met you you were this like huge Bulls fan and we like slowly us and Knicks Twitter have slowly been converting you <laughs> to like you know, it's a, fun. in the closet Knicks fan every every uh every time I go on because I go on so many Knicks shows I'm a New Yorker right and uh and by the end of it like in the comments section it's just like yo Corey's he's he's a Knicks fan he's a closet Knicks fan <laughs> and I just want to see my friends and family happy that's it you know I <laughs> but um yeah so I, he would be a disaster to me because I think that like He's just such a project in this league. So many people think that he has like so much untapped potential because he's only been playing basketball for a few years. And, uh, I just, I just don't see it. I think Tibbs would hate it. He's so far from understanding like basic defensive principles and the things that you would expect him to do, like block shots. Like he wasn't even very good as a shot blocker. So I, I would really dislike that move but i don't think it's it's realistic because like you said i think that there's a much higher chance that the knicks would be interested in isaiah jackson uh, or as you alluded to uh and then the other guy and i think half the fan base would probably love it um and then half would be like why did we trade up for this guy would be like zaire williams um now i don't know if the knicks had worked zaire out but to me like when i did my big board i didn't even have him in my top 30 of this draft uh, and and he's a guy that was, you know, a potential top five guy coming into the season. So, you know, a lot of people might look at it as a reclamation project. Like, oh, he was he had all this hype. Um, but I just don't really think he's like a very good basketball player. I think he's Kevin Knox 2.0. So, uh, ooh, shots fired. Yeah. So, <laughs> if if he ends up being awesome, I'm gonna uh, have a lot of uh, audio and video to to eat crow on. But. <laughs> I think those those would be my two disaster scenarios. Like, I think if the Knicks ended up trading up for Sharif, I I and I was a Knicks fan, like I would still be excited. Like, it's a risk for sure, especially because you can get two solid prospects at nineteen and twenty one. But I do think he has that potential that he just needs to become an adequate three point shooter. Like, if he gets to thirty five percent and you just have to guard him out there a little bit, it's he's going to be like an un stoppable offensive force into getting to his spots. Like he'll probably be able to get to his spots eventually without even having a jumper because he has a phenomenal handle and the quickness uh, and can make every pass in the book. Uh, But if he just gets to 35% and I think if you look at his free throw shooting where eight attempts a game and he was like 82%, something like that, there's reason to believe that like his shot isn't so broken that you can't foresee a scenario where he gets to be an adequate shooter from, from distance. Can I ask you a question that is going to make anyone who's listening to this that's a Knicks fan, especially this year, very upset? 
Does does that scouting report and when you watch Cooper, does he not give you like some sort of feeling of like Alfred Payton Orlando? Because that's what it was, right? He was a playmaker. He was he was he was breaking down the offense and for the first year, year and a half, maybe even two years, he was killing it. He had the assists. He was you know, he was breaking down the defense, but once they realized this guy can't shoot, they just started playing six feet behind, you know, six feet off him, like social distancing off Alfred Payton, and he couldn't do anything. <laughs> and so, like that, like that's my legitimate worry about Cooper, because like I'm the hater here, like I'm the I'm the I'm the Cooper hater. Everyone's telling me he's gonna be amazing, and I see why, because we're starving for a playmaker, like with the skills that he has, like we are starving for, and. We'll take any red flags, any flaws, doesn't matter as long as you give us that. But I'm just so nervous. Like, I'm staring at Ben Simmons. I love Ben Simmons. Ask Alex. I've been, I, I, I'm a huge Ben Simmons guy, but like, look what happened to him. If he's not going to shoot, they're just going to play back and figure it out. They're NBA players, NBA coaches, you know what I mean? So, I don't know, man. Like, can Tibbs really create an offense? No. He just like lets you roll. And he just needs, like, the offensive playmakers to just, like, roll with it, you know? And so that's the only thing I would say I'm worried about Cooper. Um, so, like, I would just like to hear your concerns or, like, at least, like, maybe, like, walk me off that cliff a little bit. But also just, like, maybe get into a little bit of Isaiah Jackson. Because mm-hmm. that, that stuff is, like, I know uh, Alex wants to get into those rumors. But they also, you know, articles came out in the post today that he wants to play for, the, you know, the Nets or the Knicks. He's got the CAA. He's got the Kentucky. He played okay. He was averaging like eight and six. And then the last like seven games, like, you know, almost a double double, like 13 and eight or nine, you know, so he, he's a player. But so I kind of want to hear your thoughts on like my nervousness <laughs> about Cooper and, <laughs> and sort of like Isaiah, Isaiah's fit on the Knicks. Like I get why, but then how are you going to fit Julius Randle, Obi and Jackson? Like what are we even doing here? So like kind of just I know it's a, I know it's a multiple compound yeah. question but just like I just want to hear your thoughts on both of those. All right. Uh so we'll start with uh Sharif and talking you off the off the the Elford Payton ledge. Um, <laughs> <laughs> first, I will say the Orlando version of Elford Payton probably would have helped this past year's Knicks team a little bit more than the New York Knicks version of Elford Payton. So, that's a so, fact. So that's first. Um Second, Sharif is a way better passer than Alfred Payton ever was. Like, even in college, Alfred Payton's assist percentage was like 31-32%, which is good. Sharif is like 50-something percent. Like, he had a higher assist percentage in college than Trey Young did. And if you watch any Auburn game, you just have to watch one. Because if you want to watch more than one, you'll, like, throw your head against the wall because it's it's torturous to watch because that Auburn team was so... So not fun so bad <laughs> it, but but the fact that Sharif ended up getting eight assists a game on that team was like mayhem like if he had the ball in his hands with like Gonzaga's team he would have been over 10 assists a game in college um so so that's one he's just a way better passer with a way better feel he's way more creative as a passer and a playmaker um I also think that his speed is kind of one of his underrated qualities like he is just a, a a bullet coming out of a gun. Like Alfred Payton, especially this year, like he was slow. Like he didn't have any other pace besides slow, you know, like even when he was running the break, it's, it looked like he was jogging instead of like really pushing. So that's two. I, I just think that the skills that he's good at and the skills that you on the surface, you know, think Alfred Payton's good at 
he's just so much better he as a talent. Um, but the shooting concerns are real. And, you know, it's funny because uh, for a lot of teams, that'll be in position for Sharif. You go, all right, well, why don't you worry about those playoff problems when you get to the playoffs? The Knicks now are an opportunity where it might actually present itself, right? And if you look at the fit on the surface, especially this past season, like you're playing through Julius Randle. Is Sharif the best fit with a guy like Julius who's doing a lot of the playmaking himself? So I do get the concerns there. He's not the cleanest fit available on the board, but I think as a, a pure talent in most drafts, you know, he's a, an easy top 10 guy. Um, so just based on the talent, the fit, I think that he's definitely worth, worth a risk. Uh, going to Jackson now, I think Isaiah Jackson is one of the most underrated players in the whole draft. There's two camps, and you know I mentioned this on on my podcast when I was breaking his game down that there was going to be the Kai Jones camp, there's going to be the Isaiah Jackson camp, and I feel like the Kai Jones camp is so loud, and the the Isaiah Jackson camp is less loud. He was in such an awful position in Kentucky with his guard play, like the guard play this year was really really bad, and we've seen some of these Kentucky prospects, uh, Emmanuel quickly included come to the NBA and find that the NBA game suits their skill set so much more than the college game and uh, the roles that they were playing in college. And Isaiah Jackson, you know, to me, like he's, he's one of these guys. He just, he has a role already base. His baseline role is going to be elite lob catcher and elite shot blocker. So, and he's also going to be a good enough defender. You don't have to worry about the OB problem. Like he can guard the perimeter if you get a guard switched on to him. So you're not necessarily going to play him off the floor. Um, if, if you just got a bunch of guards who are doing work, he's got the lateral quickness to, to keep up with them. And what I love about him is he's so good defending either way. Like if you watch his tape, most of the time, like he'll block shots with his left hand. Like he doesn't have to come across his body. I think it'll limit his fouls. And I think that if he was in a situation where he was playing 32 minutes a game in college, like he'd be a no-brainer lottery pick. He'd probably be going in the top 10. He'd probably be in that like 8, 9, 10 range. So as, again, as far as value goes, he's a guy that could potentially return top 10 value for you, uh, especially if he you know, uh, becomes any kind of a shooter. And he showed a little bit of ability to hit a uh, like a 15-foot elbow jumper. Not, he didn't really get the opportunity to shoot threes. So, you know, that is a theoretical skill. But just based on, you know, his free throw shooting and his ability to knock down a 15-footer, you could see it in a few years. It'll definitely be a process. It's not going to be something right away. But um, just getting out and running and being a versatile defender in any scenario. And then you can bring him along slowly because you have Mitch in front of him. You got Julius and you got Ovi. So I, I think he's going to be a really good player. You got the Kentucky connection. To me, if he's there, it's as good as a lock to for the Knicks drafting him like um the problem is 19 right yeah the the issue is is that I've heard that uh like there's a lot of smoke that he may have got a promise from OKC so that that to me is the potential hang-up so again that might be why they may need to trade up for him if uh if they're looking to trade up Mm -hmm. because OKC uh he's another guy who who opted out of the the combine and and the smoke is that it's OKC and OKC's picking right before the Knicks so uh, and they have two picks as well. So if you want them, you might have to trade up for them. But if you trade up right in front of OKC, it, it's a pretty good bet. And uh, if he's if he's still on the board when the Knicks are picking, I, I feel like it's as good of a lock. I like Isaiah Jackson. I was watching some film on him the other day, especially after the Knicks fan TV. They had Derek Murray, and Derek Murray yep. was the one that said he was reported that the Knicks want Isaiah Jackson. And it kind of makes sense. I mean, 
regardless of the CAA and the Kentucky connection there, which makes it like a lock yeah. as Emmanuel quickly was last season. Um, and John was preaching that up last year. It's like, there's got to be one. And so yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to go with John again this year. There's got to be one that's, you know, that hits both of those and that they're going to take. And I think Isaiah Jackson is that guy. And you mentioned the, you mentioned the traits of being able to block with both hands, vertical threat, lob threat, shot blocker, uh, good on the good block, uh, defending on the perimeter. We didn't get that from Nerlens Noel. Mitchell Robinson's better at that, but he went down this last season and yeah. all those traits prior to that. You mentioned I just re, like regurgitated. Those are all the same traits that Mitchell Robinson has, and I think this is just Mitchell Robinson insurance because one, you get a guy on a on a good contract for three to four years. You're not sure what Mitch is going to do or how Mitch is going to perform this season. Unfortunately, he had injury problems last season, so there wasn't enough tape and enough games for the team to make a full uh, evaluation, saying, "All right, this is our guy moving forward." So this, if he could stay healthy again this season, then and he does well, then I could see the Knicks bringing him back. But we also don't know the contract that Mitch wants. And for a guy who's gone through so many agents, I don't even know what agency he's part of anymore at this point because he's just gone through so many within three years, three to four years. So I think that's also a concern with them. Maybe. I'm just I'm just speculating over here, not saying that it is. So it makes sense that Isaiah Jackson is that type of guy that they want to look for, right? I would be happy with that. But do you think – like? So where's where's OKC draft uh, drafting their second pick? Uh, what's the number? Eighteen. The second one? Eight. Okay. So they just need Six, to go up sixteen and eighteen. Sixteen and eighteen. So they need to yeah. go past sixteen to to get uh, Isaiah Jackson. This is someone that they really want. And I do know, you know, just to just to fine tune that Wasterman report that the Knicks are looking to get into the end of the late lottery. So fourteen like Warriors. That kind of makes sense around there. And who knows who, what you trade for? I like Isaiah Jackson. He's six ten sneakers. He probably gets up to like six eleven, seven feet. So you're not too worried about him. But I find I find it very interesting. Do you think is he a lock as a first round talent for sure? And like, let me get that from you. Oh yeah, oh yeah, big yeah. time. Okay, Isaiah. He's again to me like as far as upside bigs in this draft. I think he's the upside swing. It's not Kai Jones. Um who I think may end up going in that in that lottery section, but to me he's just way safer with as much potential, and uh, he's younger. So, and like you mentioned, I, I think from the Knicks' perspective, look at how much success Tibbs has with this kind of player. You know, like going dating back to even Joe Kim Noah, uh, and then Nerlens this year, and he's mm-hmm. a free agent, right? You know, so. Yep. We, it could be insurance against losing Nerlens. And then like you mentioned, Mitch and Mitch is either in, he's in and out of the lineups. He's got the agent. He's going to want a contract. So outside of him being able to eventually just slide in and, and be that guy who could, you know, be that defensive compliment while maybe doing a, a little bit more things. I, I think he's, he's as good of a, like, I don't see how he fails as a player, honestly, you know, unless it comes to injury, I think he's so safe because he just has the baseline he has two important baseline skills. And now granted, this, his skills offensively, um, are gonna, he's gonna need a playmaker. And that's one of the things the Knicks are still, you know, searching for a solution to. But in most teams that, that have this playmaker already, he's gonna be able to kind of show off these basic, basic skills really quick and show these flashes because they're, they're just easy. Like be athletic, catch lobs, run the floor faster than everybody, which he will and, and defend and, Sure, he's a little skinny. He's you know he's gonna have to put on weight. He's gonna have to adjust to the speed of the NBA like any rookie. But I think that he's just his athletic tools. Uh, they're outrageous. I mean, like his shot blocking, his shot, his block percentage was thirteen point three percent, something like that, 
Evan Mobley was 8.8. Yeah. You know, so like he was blocking everything. He was almost uh three blocks a game in in 20 something minutes. I think he was like 2.6 in 20 something minutes a game. Uh low 20, so like he's going to be an elite shot blocking prospect who has a little bit of offensive potential himself and and his defense like he's just he's going to be an awesome defender. He just is. So let me ask you this then because uh as John pointed out earlier, you know, we have Obi, we have Randall, um and then Jackson, do you think is Jackson? What's what's clear this up? Is Jackson playing the five when he comes to the NBA, or is he playing a four, or is he doing both? I, I mean, I think he's going to have successes in five. I know, you know, it's hard, but I feel like all of these fours are fives now. You know, because because now if you're a four, you were a three. Five years ago, you yeah. were probably a three. You know, like DeAndre Hunter stretching a, out. Yeah, like DeAndre Hunter's a four. Like he's your prototype four. So I would say he's a five. I think the game's getting smaller. Obviously. You know, you do have your outlier fives like Jokic, like Embiid, and like Mitch, like Mitch, <laughs> yeah, potentially like Mitch. Um, but I think that he's a guy that, like, once he puts NBA weight on, like, he's going to be able to, at your, you know, at the very least, affect the game by holding up against them and then doing all the other things. Because it's not even just like how many teams are doing the, like you're not giving Mitch the ball in the post and just telling him to get to the block and like, all right, let's, let's do a couple of uh drop step over the left shoulder, you know, like you're not doing that. It's that's Jokic. That's Embiid. It's Giannis a little bit, but outside of that, so much of big man defense is being able to be versatile enough to cover all of these speedier, quicker, uh, quicker spaced out players on the perimeter and recovering to protect the rim. And that's what I think he really excels at. And uh I think it's really valuable. And I mean, you know, it, like Capella might not be Jokic or Embiid or one of these guys, but you saw how what his impact is just as like that rim roller and, and shot blocker. So, I, you know, I think he could be that. I think he could be a little bit like Mitch, like the ideal version of Mitch, you know, that isn't trying to do too much and is just playing to his strengths. I think he could do that. I don't think he's going to be a guy that is trying to do too much ever. I think it's it might be cut and dry, but they're cut and dry skills that are really important for for big men. Okay, gotcha. And so, because so do you? So you wouldn't expect the Knicks then if they had to move up, they wouldn't trade someone like Obi and a pick to move up, would they? Because Obi, I think Obi adds just like a different element for his game, like what they can see. Because sure, last season we know he shot thirty nine percent beyond the arc in college. Definitely, it's different. It was on low volume, but he's more of a transition uh, type of guy. He well, he has flash that he has like a little bit of a mid range game that he can somewhat develop. So there would be any overlap overlap between Jackson and Obi would there? No, they play different games uh, for sure. I look, I think that the Knicks would look to keep Obi unless they can get inside the top 10. You know, I think like that's when you may, you might give up Obi, but otherwise like, especially these, like as a young team who maybe is going to look to add a high salary, you know, star to go along with the, the core that they have, like you're going to want like, Obi doesn't make that much money. So if he takes a jump and becomes a rotation player, that's really valuable. If you can get a guy like Jackson and not have to go spend part of your cap or the any kind of exception, and you can get that role filled by a guy like Isaiah Jackson, that could be valuable. I think like that's why the draft is so valuable at, the, at especially at, you know for playoff teams where the Knicks are. It's because you can get potential role uh, role players that can contribute to winning and not have to go spend in free agency. And then you could plug holes in free agency in other ways. So um, 
I don't think there's overlap in the front court unless, you know, you run it back and you re-sign Nerlens and then, mm-hmm. you know, he offers a lot of the same things Mitch does, but I don't think the Knicks have a problem with that necessarily because they went and got Nerlens and, you know, had him and Mitch running uh together when they were healthy or, you know, subbing in for each other when they were healthy. Um so I don't think the same player archetype is necessarily a, a thing they're against. Uh, but if you had both of them, it might be like, how is this kid going to see the floor? Yeah, no, that, that makes sense. And even with Noel, right. The only reason we're talking about Noel not coming back is because he had such phenomenal season anchored right. top, top five defense. Now yeah. it's time for him to go get paid. And yeah, he's a well, journey. We got, yeah, we got him on a steal for 5 million last year. Yeah. So he, he can obviously earn more. And we saw that the Nets, Fucking hate that team, but they're they're interested. In <laughs> we all know they need a center over there because DeAndre yeah. Jordan's just there for the vibes. But yeah. all right, but I got I got I got a, I got a question for you on, on another guy that you know. There's rumors of him slipping, and if the Knicks are looking to trade up, I, I want to get uh, an idea from you how far this guy's going to slip. And it's Jonathan Kaminga, right? Mm, we hear yeah. that his stock is falling. Is that even a realistic option for the Knicks to to move up for? Is or is Kaminga still going within the top ten? Oh, he's going in the top ten. I, okay. Yeah, I I would be shocked. <laughs> Corey here to kill our dreams. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> again, like I think, I think Golden State would take him at seven if he gets to seven. Like, and okay. you'd be like, again, like you're going to take a high upside guy. You're trying to win a champ. He his floor is higher than you would be made to believe by reading Twitter all day and and the discourse <laughs> there. You know, like his floor is higher than that. Um, you also, you, you know, you have to remember he didn't have like this atrocious year in the G league and it was the G league. He was playing against literal professionals, um, mm-hmm. literal NBA players this year. And like, yeah, his percentages weren't the best. He struggled from three, maybe his, some of the decisions he made weren't the best, but then he also showed really fun flashes of playmaking and he did show really fun flashes of creating off the dribble and his athleticism is legit his body is legit um so i again i don't think he slips past uh eight to orlando i would be shocked if he did slip past eight to orlando uh if he even got to eight like i don't think he's gonna slip past um golden state but i think it's a it's a little bit overstated and and we're forgetting that he was playing in the G League and, and not in college. Now, maybe the G League, you know, it was more beneficial to his game and the aesthetics of it than if he had gone to college. But I think his floor is overstated and his ceiling is is still as high as you'd have thought because when he was great, he was really great. Um, so it, it's – there's a reason he was in the top five the whole year. He's he's not slipping too far down the draft. You're If you're trading up for him, you're probably, you know – you might have the tenth pick, the ninth pick, something like that. They those are the teams that maybe could trade up for him. Okay, I'm going to ask you about this guy because this is another one that Nick's Twitter is uh, just buzzing about, and that is Trey Mann. Yeah. Uh, so, wh- do you th- do you think it makes sense for the Knicks to take him? I know he's a guard. I know he's uh, he's he's what six three. He's all he's all undersized, right? For for what you would want out of a two guard, but yeah, yeah. unless you think he could play the one. But I know he's a good shot creator. He has a he has a step back. He has the quickness to to be lethal in the NBA. What do you think about him? Do you think it's realistic for the Knicks to take him? Yeah, I think so. I mean, he's six four, uh, but in uh, he's like six four and a quarter in shoes. Um, but he grew a couple of inches this past year, so he might still have some growing to do. 
Uh, he, I don't think he's a two. I think he's a modern one and his playmaking definitely needs work, but he's also a guy who spent a lot of his life off the ball up until this year. And he did look good when he was able to run pick and roll. Now, when he was just like ISO creation, you know, going Kyrie ISO on everybody, a lot of times he would just dribble the air out of the ball. And that's like a lot of mistakes happened out of that. But he was also like the best, one of the best. Maybe if maybe it was the best. I don't know if it was him. Or, I forgot if it was him or Cade, but like the best off the bounce shooter in college basketball on on the volume. So like he does have like legitimate skills that you want out of your your shooters. And what's interesting is like he shot forty percent from three this year on all of these ISO possessions. He's got the the shimmy, the shake, the step back, all that stuff. But he was like bad in catch and shoot situations. So I and to me, like he's such a good shooter that it feels like an outlier. Like he really could have been an even better three point shooter this year if he was be if he was playing more off the ball. And I think he's gonna play more off the ball in the NBA. And I think that he's actually a guy, like we mentioned earlier, like Julius does a lot of the creating. So he actually could be a really fun fit running pick and roll with with their bigs and then also playing off a guy like Julius Randle. Um, so I, I think that he's definitely a guy that they could take a shot on. Um, I, it, it's hard to get a, a feel for who's really interested in Trey man, but he's a guy that like, absolutely. You could see averaging over 20 points per game in the NBA. Cause he's, he's just a really gifted off the bounce shot creator. Okay. So you, th- so if the Knicks drafted, do you see him just sliding in into like the starting unit because of the shot creation and just Randall is going to be, the initial playmaker, RJ would probably be the secondary playmaker. And then if, if Trey Mann's even up to that level, he can like share some of that playmaking with RJ Barrett, depending on how he, how RJ improves this next season. Well, I, I guess let me ask you this. What do you think the chances are of quickly being this guy? I would love it. And I think quickly could be that same. I think they're both the same uh, player, honestly, not, mm-hmm. not legitimately like blueprint yeah. wise, but I think that they do the same thing. They're both uh, shot creators good lethal shooters from behind the arc. I think they do a lot of those things. I, if you're going to ask me more on ISO, Trey Mann would probably beat him because he's more athletic. We haven't really seen quickly do anything in the mid-range yet. He has to develop that game. We only see him do three-pointers, floaters. He needs to create a, a layup package. So Trey Mann would beat him in those areas, and that's why if he did come in, unless quickly just stepped his game up in all those areas, and if we're taking Drew Hanlon on what he says as gospel, usually players choose one, two, two things to work on during the off season to really improve on. Like we saw RJ work the snake dribble and get his mid range shot going and his three pointer really improved and just take it to the basket. So those are like three of the main things that he really worked on. And two of those things, I should say one of those things is really something that he was really good at to begin with was just driving to the basket. It was just finishing and he improved in that area. So if Emmanuel quickly can improve, and I think that's a, a big ask to improve, like, all right, Kate, you need a, you need a, Way up package, you need a mid-range game, and now we want you to do a little bit more playmaking. I think the playmaking, sure, because we saw a little bit of playmaking from quickly, but asking for a layup package when you didn't really have one and just like loves to use floaters and then yeah. asking for a mid-range game. And you know, I, I said this on Knicks Fan TV last week. I looked at the numbers. He only took 15 mid-range jumpers last season. Yeah. Only 15. So that's <laughs> I, to go for like, obviously anything would be an improvement over 15, but we're asking a lot for him just to take like more mid range shots and to create that type of stuff, 
to create that space for himself and others. So I could see quickly totally doing that. He has that work ethic. If you just watch the Instagram and you just listen to what he says, you watch like what you just see all the social media aspects of him and just like what everyone's talking about, even though Nick's account and the MSG account, you see quickly is putting in the work. Like yeah. I don't, we see two, three drenched shirts every single day from this kid, just knowing that he's putting in work and you hear Obi like, uh, from SNY that he's been working with quick in the off season and so forth. So I'd have no doubt that quickly will get there. Well, I see it happening this season. Granted, this will be the first true offseason that he has. I think that's a lot to ask for, but I can totally see him getting there. But I don't think there's anything wrong with having two guards uh, like Trey Mann and Emmanuel Cookley on the same team that can both create their own shot and just shoot from deep. So I'd be happy with it. But I don't see quickly this upcoming season being that starting guard unless hmm. he completely just does an overhaul on those aspects of his game. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I mean, but some of the things that, you know, you want quickly to develop, like Trey Mann needs to develop that too. Like Trey Mann's finishing was like pretty mediocre. Uh, he's very below the rim and he's, when he's finishing, he is like super right hand dominant. So like he's really easy to predict because he just like, I'm trying to think of all the games I watch, how many layups he finished with his left hand, how many he even attempted. Like even when he's going left, he's trying to finish right. Yep. So I think his layup package that's going to be the thing that's going to affect him the most in the NBA, trying to learn how to finish amongst the trees, uh, especially when like NBA defenders are going to be way better. They're just going to be like, all right, we're going to weak you. You're going left. Like, and when he does that, granted, he's got the jumper to, to take advantage of that, but I think his finishing is going to be a, a work in progress. Uh, same with his playmaking. That's going to be a work in progress, but he would help in the mid range and as a shot creator. And we saw in the playoffs a lot of times the Knicks definitely needed guys who can get shots off and be shot makers at from different parts of the floor. So he, he definitely would help in the mid range because he does have that, that in between game. But uh, a lot of the other things, I think he's, he's got, you know, as much work to do as, as quickly does. So that would be an interesting point guard battle all year. <laughs> I'd be here for it. I mean, look, we yeah, had I, I think it'd be to watch. They'd be, that'd be fun. And they could play yeah. off each other too. They could play off each other. Of course. And then I think the thing they would be concerning is their defense. You know, they're both, that's the problem. Quickly six three, uh, Trey Man six four. Yeah. Um, I like heart think- attack, bro. Tips are literally. I'm literally <laughs> watching him on the sideline right now with those two guards just literally having a heart attack. I like you know one of the things I, I actually thought Trey Man had like a pretty nuanced understanding of like how to rotate on defense, like his team defense. Now, like six four is not like horrible. Uh, height, right? But his, it's his wingspan. Like his wingspan's yeah. only like six four two. So that's mm. you know that's the the issue defensively. But like as far as like fitting in a team to a team structure, I actually thought he was pretty underrated in that regard. Now, granted, he's a guard, so like how much influence does that have on making you have like a great defense? Not much. He's not coming over to the weak side and like swatting your jumper. But um, he, I, I think that eventually, and again, you know, all these rookies are going to have to adjust to the speed of the game. But I think eventually, like, he's a guy that's not going to kill you just because he'll know where to be on the floor, even if he's not going to be one of these, like, Davion Mitchell point of attack, you know, monsters. Okay. All right. Now, Corey, I'm going to switch this up now. Uh, <laughs> two, two different questions. W- w- one, because you're a Bulls fan, I have to yep. reference you. Uh, we're, we're, we're going to the Bulls at the end of this. Okay. We know the shock of last year was Patrick Williams being drafted yeah. fourth yeah. overall. Um, do you see another player that like that this season who will just surprisingly be drafted? Who, cause like, you know, we thought the Patrick Williams, uh, hype was a little bit of a smoke and mirrors just going to go in a different direction. And then 
they select him and we were there on Knicks fan TV and, I, and your face was just like, wow, they, there's yeah. no smoke. <laughs> this was actually real. <laughs> Do you see any player like that uh, for this year? I think if there was one guy, it's probably Josh Giddy. Okay. From oh. Australia. Yeah. I, I think, like that. I think he'd be the guy that teams take like a, a, a big time swing on. Um, I've heard he's getting a lot of top 10 buzz. I don't know who would be targeting him, but that's, that's kind of the stuff I've been hearing. And, and, uh, he's got a lot of interesting tools, right? Size, six, yeah. eight. Yeah. He's, he's kind of like the six foot eight version of Sharif in, in some ways, yeah. right? He doesn't yeah. get to the free throw line as much, but you know, he played professionally and he was like really, really productive, uh, in that, in the same league that, you know, LaMelo Ball and RJ Hampton, uh, played in. He was, you know, more productive than RJ Hampton was. Uh, he wasn't quite the scorer that LaMelo was, but he also wasn't jacking up shots like LaMelo was in that league, but he averaged seven rebounds, seven assists. So it's hard to see him being a guy that doesn't make it in the league just because of his IQ. And I think his positional size and, uh, some of the skills that he brings. And I, I, the one thing I've, you know, I always like to fall back on with these international prospects are the ones that are like really producing numbers like it's hard to miss on those guys like the 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 ones who are actually producing against pros it's not theoretical anymore like you see what they're doing against more talented guys than you would find in the NCAA so I think he's kind of the guy that a lot of people would be like who is Josh Giddy and why is you know uh he going to OKC at six like what what's going on like I think he would be the he'd be the the one guy that I kind of predict Okay. Interesting. Cause I know they got, I think as I'm looking at, at Tankathon right now, they got Josh Giddy going to, uh, New Orleans. So that'd be interesting. Consider they got Kyra Lewis. Um, and I know you, you and I are both on that, the Kyra train. And I'm still hoping for I'm riding uh, it. Yeah. I'm still, I, I'm, I'm still I'm, the conductor. <laughs> that you are. And I hope Kyra really like shows out. He was showing some good stuff in New Orleans last year too. So I, yeah, I, like, I still like her. Yeah. Um, now for you. Cause yep. you're a Bulls fan. Yeah. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna transfer to you. I know the Bulls don't have a first round pick this season because of the uh, Vooch trade. So yep. let me ask you that: How do you feel about the Vooch trade? Because I, it's been a while. Yeah, and the so. Zach Levine and like that that chemistry. Like, how do you feel about the Vooch Levine like duo? Is that is that re- like is that gonna take you to the promised land? What are you missing? Like, what, how do you feel about that? I know at first. Everyone was coming at you, right? It was a blockbuster trade and everyone's coming at yeah. Corey. <laughs> so how do you feel that like, you know, you finally had your first half season. Now you have your off season. Like what's your, what's your uh, thought process there? I, I still think it was a great trade. Um, because I look at some of the guys that are in the eighth range for the magic now. And, uh, the two guys that I actually like in that range, I don't think the Bulls would have taken anyway in like Davion Mitchell and Alperin Shengun. Um, so I, I, I like it. And I think that Vooch is his game is going to age really gracefully just because he's such a skill based guy. I think that him and Levine are going to play off each other really well, but the, the Bulls problem is the same thing it was coming into the year. Like they just don't have a point guard on their team and you know, Welcome to our world. Yeah, Corey. not ha- like <laughs> like Tomas Sadaransky is like a good backup. Like I like Sadaransky. Uh, he looks like the best player in the world at times when you watch him in FIBA tournaments. Uh, but you know when it comes to the NBA, he's just like a good solid backup. Probably not going to make a lot of mistakes. 
probably not going to do a whole bunch of awesome stuff outside of like throwing down a poster dunk that ends up on house highlights and people are like who's this guy that's <laughs> like what is you know like every once in a while and once in a blue moon he throws down a poster um and i'm kind of out on kobe white uh you know i this was a big mm. year for him i was never enthralled with the pick when we made it i kind of thought he was going to be the pick just because it was predictable. Bulls need a point guard. Who's going to be the best point guard available? It was either going to be Garland or Kobe White. I was like riding hard for Garland in that draft. I wanted him like so badly when the Bulls got White. I was like, yeah, it's fine. You know, like he's not a natural point guard. He'll be a good shooter, microwave guy. Showed a lot of that microwave potential. I think he definitely has a role in the league and as like a microwave change of pace guy. But in a backcourt with, Zach Levine, like he just doesn't fit. And uh, to me, especially like it's frustrating because now he needs surgery. He's going to be out for like five months because he hurt his shoulder. So he doesn't even really get the off season to kind of work on a lot of the stuff he needed to work on. So I, you know, the trade is as, as of now, I, I think it was a great trade. I don't think it's going to get us to the promised land, which would be an NBA finals, but I definitely think that the bulls could be a playoff team if their management takes the necessary moves to complete what they started to build when they went kind of like moving towards the goal of having the bulls be a playoff team. Uh, I'm expecting, you know, uh, the bulls to be right there much more so than they were this year. You know, we were in a position to fight for it. And then Levine went out for a few weeks with, with COVID we'll have Vucevic for the full year. Um, so I, I expect the bulls to be better than they were last year. I just need to see, them get any kind of guy that can create a dribble dribble penetration and kick out to whoever is waiting open on the weak side. If the Bulls get like a, an adequate point guard, um, like even a guy like Eric Blood, like if the Bulls had Eric Bledsoe, like I know he might not be like a, a problem solver, but he would at least help the point of attack defense that Kobe White doesn't help, and uh, he'd be like a steady presence. So. Not that I'm clamoring for him or anything. I, you know, <laughs> obviously coming off a, a rocky year, but just anybody who's like competent at point guard. They, they, that's it. It's the, the trade was great, but the, the Bulls need a competent point guard. So, so how are you going to feel about the, the second coming of D Rose 2.0 off the bench? That's going to be fun. I mean, I feel that coming. I, I, you like, think so? I, I, well, I think he's either going to stay with the Knicks and Tibbs, which at this point feels unlikely. And then, or he's just going to go back to his family in Chicago. Like, I don't really see him, like, maybe L.A. because he has a house out there, too. But he's, like, at this point where he cares about family, convenience, just, like, playing ball. He says he doesn't watch basketball outside of playing. You know what I mean? So, he's just, like, he's in his own little world. So, I really see him being one of those three. And, I mean, let's not forget, just a couple years ago, he was, like, MIA because he had to go back to Chicago to hang out with his family. You know what I mean? It means something to him. And you guys are missing a point guard. And he wants to end his career. He knows it's coming to an end, right? Like, I don't know. I kind of just, it just feels like a nice fit. Uh, I would, with D-Rose. I would love it. I would. I, he would help with so much of what the Bulls needed help with, you know? Um, so I, I personally would be all for it. I, I, I kind of thought he would, it, to me, it felt like he was coming back to New York, but I haven't really been reading reports either way. But yeah, he would, I, like, he can penetrate and he can get a shot off, you know, almost at will still to this day. Like what's crazy is he's still more athletic than most of the guys that are defending him. He might not throw down the the poster dunks like he used to, but as far as like quickness and start style, like he still got all that stuff. I would love it personally. Uh, you know, one of the things that happened towards the end of his tenure in Chicago is that like there was a push pull 
And I think the media made more of it on a personal level, but there was the push-pull between Jimmy Butler becoming a star and Derrick Rose trying to regain mm-hmm. his star form. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he I feel like he had a tough time realizing that there was going to be this guy who was the 30th pick in the draft that used to be, like, <laughs> his rookie, you know, um, yeah. become kind of overpassing him. And uh, I think at this point he's more comfortable with who he is, right? Like, we've seen from sure. Minnesota on, like he's found himself in his role in the league. So if he can come to Chicago and do that, I think it would be a tremendous help because we just didn't have anybody like him. And you saw at times, like he was the best player on the Knicks at points in the playoffs, you know? So uh, he still has something left in the tank. It's so I'm all for him. The, the reunion in Chicago. He was the best player for the Knicks in yeah. the playoffs. He <laughs> was, I was going to say, not one yeah, off. He, like, was. Literally he was the best, best. He was the he best player. He was legit yeah. the best player. And <laughs> I love D-Rose, too. I'm actually wearing a pair of uh, D-Rose shorts right now uh, from when he was on the Bulls. Yeah. Um, I love these shorts. But uh last one I'm going to ask you for the Bulls is, you know, I, I actually wrote about him for, for Knicks9TV.com. I wrote about him for Hoops Habit. It's Lonzo Ball. And they talked about, you know, Shans reported interest from – Major interest is from the Clippers and the Bulls. So how would you feel if you got Lonzo Ball? I would love it. I mean, I, I'm not one of these guys that, you know, you sometimes you, <laughs> you read the internet and it's like Lonzo Ball comes to save whatever franchise he's going to get traded to. And it's like, <laughs> have we watched him for a few? Like he's not saving anyone, but I think that he is a really good compliment to Zach Levine, to Vucevic, because he has turned himself into a good spot up shooter and, yep. uh, he is a, a really good defender and, he doesn't solve the, the the Bulls problem of the dribble penetration necessarily, um, getting into the paint and, and doing all that driving kick stuff. But he does solve the defense, and he is a guy that is going to move the ball, play fast and transition, be smart, probably not make a ton of mistakes. So I would I would like it. You know, I I, I think that he's a, a good compliment. I think he could probably be like your fourth best player in a starting lineup on you know a successful playoff playoff team. Uh, I think you know we still need. That, that guy who's going to be able to get to the rim and, and make plays. But, uh, and Zach Levine's definitely gotten a little bit better over the years at doing it. But again, he's still more of like the Devin Booker who needs the Chris Paul. Um, yep. So I, I don't think that Lonzo would come and be the Chris Paul for, for the Bulls, but <laughs> he would definitely be an upgrade <laughs> in talent. Uh, so, you know, I, that honestly, I feel like that is kind of like a done deal. I'm not, if it doesn't happen, I wouldn't be disappointed, but there's been so much smoke about Lonzo to the Bulls going all the way back to the trade deadline. And he seems like the kind of player that our Arturis uh, Karnaschovas would really appreciate who, you know, the, the ball mover playmaker, just smart high IQ guy. Uh, so I feel like it's almost a done deal. Uh, I don't know if new Orleans is like, yeah, let's take Laurie Markin in the sign trade. Like, uh, I don't know. I mean, Laurie's probably, he's actually a pretty good fit next to, to Zion. Um, I forgot about marketing. Yeah, gone, think, huh? he's gone. Yeah, I, think, I don't I think, know. I think I think actually I that is. I think that's the deal. Honestly, that, I think, yeah, right. I, I, I think it's Laurie marketing for Alonzo and a sign and trade, and because both of them are restricted free agents at this right. point. I think. Yeah, I think they both sign swap it that way. They both fit in within the contract scheme. Get I the think. bird rights in. Yeah, yeah. So and I, look, and I think they also. Are, I think they're going to probably try to get uh, Laurie marketing, uh 
at center or, or power forward, whatever Zion, whatever position yeah. Zion's going to be, and try to move Stephen Adams personally. I think that was the worst contract. Good luck, bro. You got to move Stephen yeah, Adams. Good luck, bro. We have a Joe Noah no contract too. Anyone want that? <laughs> <laughs> you, uh, that's a joke too. It's like uh, what was uh, there's a report saying the the Pelicans are looking to move one of uh, their veterans, either Eric Bledsoe or Stephen Adams. I'm like, who's taking who? Like, yeah, as like oh. you're asking, like you're begging at that point. Well, th- there was a report that came out, I believe, in The Athletic earlier today about the Pelicans moving Bledsoe and 10 for, uh, was it 17? For it to Memphis. Yeah. Okay. That, so that came out that there was traction gaining there. So they might be able to get off Bledsoe and now they just got to figure out a way to, uh, move Steven Adams. I, I like, I think Steven Adams could help somebody. It's just that. Oh, absolutely. That, who? <laughs> it's somebody with a stretch four, but, uh, yeah. that, that like a Dallas. Like you'd fit great on like a Dallas. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's, yeah. that's actually probably who they need. Honestly. Right. They, 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 they need a legit center because, uh, some guy over there who the Knicks used to have, uh, is not really a good defender. Yeah. He who, uh, shall not be shall named. Shall not be named. That's right. right. <laughs> Steven Adams would, Steven Adams would kind of just be like, what they were trying to get from Boban in the playoffs when they, they moved him in the starting lineup, right? Just not true, like, true. just, just not the, uh, you know, a little bit more athletic, just a little. Yeah. Tiny. Yeah. <laughs> just a guy that you could count on to, to be more than just like a gimmick. You're like, Oh, let's see if this works. Uh, so yeah, that, that would be a, a pretty good fit and they should take him because I, you know, they, they need somebody to slap, uh, people around when they get out of line. <laughs> oh man. That's good. I'll tell you what, right. the Porzingis brothers ain't going after uh, Stephen Adams. <laughs> no, nah, that's true. They're not. They're, they're they're not. All right. I get. Well, one last time because we didn't get to actually cover this last week. Uh, the finals. The finals happened. Bucks won. Uh, what do you got? What do, I want some like quick thoughts on this before we wrap up. Like, uh, Corey, I'll start off with you. What, what are some of your thoughts from this finals? <laughs> I I thought it was amazing, man. I I, I mean, Giannis truly does have like the best storybook storybook journey to watch just come to fruition like this. And like, especially after the finals, when you see all of the clips of him, like bringing his family to the arena and looking up at the rafters and he's the skinny kid. And, uh, who, I mean, who's still enamored by smoothies. I mean, like it's <laughs> now, now he's a champion and he, like he, like he said, he did it the hard way by not forming a super team Everybody counted them out of basically every series, like that they were in uh, outside of Miami. And I bet before the playoffs, a lot of people probably picked Miami too. Mm-hmm. And you know, he did it. So I picked Miami. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's not like it was a bad pick, right? Like Miami was they they went to the finals last year, and they you know they showed that they could beat any team. You know, they took LeBron's Lakers to six. Yep. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and but Giannis did it. Uh, I mean, I love Drew Holiday. I think he's a, a, a good um, example for my guy in this draft. My guy in this draft is Davion Mitchell. And uh, so seeing Drew Holiday and that kind of archetype that not maybe not like the perfect pure point guard, but a guy who's just going to be like a, a good enough shot creator and lockdown defender. Like it's it was good to see that kind of guy be able to succeed. Um, and then, you know, Chris Middleton, like he's Whoa. an easy guy to root for too, right? Yeah. Like second round pick. Turned himself into a player. He's fun to watch when he's got it going. Smart guy. And then, you know, they, they got a lot of pieces that are, are fun to, to root for. And then the Suns were fun too. Um, and I was on that, I was riding that bandwagon for a little bit because I love Mikael Bridges. I love Villanova guys. And then I realized at one point I was like, ah, 
Now I don't care if Chris Paul wins or not. <laughs> yeah. I think the campaign hype is really what like completely turned me off from the Suns as the <laughs> as this like playoffs were going on. They're like, oh yeah, campaign. I'm like, okay, like obviously nothing you know, productive yeah. is gonna happen there. I mean, I felt I I was always I guess, like, Alex has been, like, giving me some self-awareness. I love big men, apparently. Because, like, every time I'm, like, love this big man, he's like, you just love big men, dude. It's like, all right. So, like, I've been, you know, on the Aiton train, and I was so happy that he got on. Yeah. Um, And then, like, he just got stopped by the best player in the league. You know, and he won two MVPs. He won the finals MVP. Like, he just got stopped. Like, it's fine. You know, he really reminds me of Baby Shaq. Uh, You get the Orlando Shaq vibes from Aiton. So, that was impressive. I think Devin Booker grew up. Right in front of our eyes this year. That was really cool. Uh, Chris Paul, I feel like he, uh, peaked actually, um, during this playoff series. Unfortunately, I don't think he's ever going to do better than this, but, um, he's now a legend. You know what I mean? This, this series, this Sun series made him a legend. Like he took the Suns to the playoffs. We're always, we're always going to remember this, even if he retires with no rings. Um, as he's going to be better than Barkley. You know what I mean? Like in my, in like the NBA, like 50, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so I think that's impressive. You know, he's, he's in that stage, you know, with Barkley of the non champions, but I think he was like the number, he's like the head guy now. So, you know, it's some consolation prize. I don't really see the Suns making it back, but they're going to be fun. They're going to be like Denver. You know what I mean? Just like a nice, fun, like shoot the fun regular season, fun playoff series. But on the other side, it's just, you alluded to it. It's just so wholesome. This Bucks team, like Giannis and Brooke Lopez winning before the Nets. And like, you know, just like so many, you know, Middleton, Drew Holiday games. But to me, it was a little bit predictable. I, I, I know that sounds weird, but the Bucks are just good at home. And the Suns are just good at home because they have benches and they come alive. And the one game, right? They just knew somebody needed to steal one. And that was the Bucks MO besides the Heat. That was the Bucks' mo the whole series. Just take we, we're going to be good at home. We just have to steal one on the road, and that's all they did. Every series, just steal one on the road, and then they're going to be money at home. Um, so I just I just think it's a cool formula. You know what I mean? Play defense. You can have your boys here, like Middleton and Drew Holiday. You got to have you have to have like unbelievable shots by them, and like lucky. Like Middleton was unbelievable. Like you can't replicate that. Uh, Drew Holiday, you know, lucky plays here. The block. You know, and and the Suns were up every single first half. So it's not like, you know, this Bucks team was like this, like, enigma. So it was a cool series. It was a little predictable on, like, the home team winning everything. But to me, it solidified one thing, man. This NBA Finals solidified one thing, and that's the regular season matters. Right? Like, you saw for the playoffs how much the home games matter for the Knicks. You see how much the home home games matter for, like, teams like the Bucks. Sure, for the Lakers, it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? For the super teams, it doesn't matter. Like, the Nets could win on the road, the Lakers could win on the road, but the, the, the teams that are made organically, they need home field advantage. And, like, that's the one thing I, like, really learned from this regu- from this playoffs is, like, if you're just a normal team, like, you're not the super teams, like, you need home field advantage, and it matters. And you steal one game on the road, and all of a sudden, every series is yours. So, that's really how my uh, mentality is going forward and what I learned, really, from this playoffs, from this finals. I like this finals. I like what both you both had to say about the finals. It's honestly more enjoyable than what we had with the Lakers and the Heat. I think it was up there with probably the, the series that the Cavs won. I forget what was that 2016 around there, that 2016, uh, the 2016, 2015, 2016 season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With the incredible block by LeBron. I think that that was another good game. And then 
I think Toronto and the the Warriors were another good series as well. I was happy to finally see. I just like I just like different. I don't need to see these super teams. I don't need to see LeBron James continue with his legacy of just always making a finals appearance. I actually like seeing new guys just like put their name on the map. So getting to see Devin Booker, getting to see Giannis, getting to see Middleton, seeing Chris Paul finally make it, even Mikhail Bridges, DeAndre Ayton, all these dudes just finally get on that stage and now get that world recognition, just saying, hey, we're actually really good. Uh, Stop downplaying us and removing titles of guys who are just empty stat patterns like Devin Booker saying, hey, these guys are actually really talented. Putting up averaging over 20 points a game is not just, uh, you know, oh, he can just put up 20 points because he's on a bad team. No, he can actually put up 20 points because he's a really good fucking player, not on a bad <laughs> team because yeah. there are guys who are on bad teams who can't put up fucking 20 points. OK, stand up for and- your Greek brother. Stand up for your Greek brother. <laughs> Yo, shout out to the black Greek man himself, right? The Greek, the Nigerian Greek, Giannis Antetokounmpo himself. Yo, phenomenal story, as uh, Corey pointed out. Like, how can you not root for this guy? Like, legit stayed in Milwaukee, did it the hard way. Uh, the dude then goes wins and go gets a gets a fifty piece uh from <laughs> Chick Fil A, which is funny. Baby. Yeah, and then he calls it Chicken McNuggets, which is hilarious. <laughs> it's like any any immigrants like uh, you want chicken nuggets? Yeah, go me get the chicken McNuggets. It's like, bro, it's not. It's only at McDonald's, bro. Not. It's so funny. So classic. It's like so every true, one of our cousins. Immigrant. <laughs> and like he legit like came. He legit think about it, like he legit came to America, did like this American dream that everyone's like told about, right? He legit did it. So if like that, how can that not be the most relatable thing like in this country? This is a country that's built off of immig- immigration. So I think it's just a beautiful story for Giannis. I'm happy to see him do it. Uh, it's funny. It's funny. It's funny. Like just seeing him like troll people saying, yeah, I didn't have to create a super team. I hope this is kind of the end of super teams because I hope teams realize you need more depth than being top heavy. Because we can look at the Lakers, we can look at the Clippers, we can look at the Nets. They're all top-heavy teams. But if one of those guys goes out, what's happening? You know, Giannis gets hurt, is taken out the rest of the game. But at least you got some solid depth in Middleton and Drew Holiday to at least rely on. And then maybe you get something out of like your role players later on. You know, you get you get someone like uh, oh, was a uh, Pat Connaughton just like coming through and just like knocking down shots as he was on fire in Game Five, right? Maybe you do get uh, someone like um. Oh my God. What's it? The, the true veteran that's just been on Jay Crowder. Jay Crowder, who's been two finals back to back, both on the losing end, but like you have solid games from him and he had that phenomenal shooting performance in uh, game three. So stuff like this where I would hopefully, hopefully teams are worrying that you need depth more than just paying for super teams probably won't happen, but hopefully it does change because I like, I like seeing this type of stuff happen and seeing new guys get some shine. But yo, Corey. Thank you for coming on to this pod. Thank you for coming on for the hundredth episode. Yeah. Thank you for your Congrats. draft knowledge. Um, please let our listeners know where they can find you, man. Please let them know. Uh, you can find me on uh, Twitter, Instagram at the Hardwood Mag. Uh, you can find my YouTube channel, the Hardwood Herald, and uh, you can find if you want it. Look, time's running out. Drafts coming on Thursday. I'll be there live. If you see me, come say what up. But uh, if you want to get your scouting reports in and you don't have time for the video and you want to do it on your uh, your commute you could uh, download the draft deck NBA draft pod, uh, podcast wherever podcasts are available and get you know an hour long conversation on most of the uh, the prospects in this draft and specifically all of the, the prospects that the Knicks uh, I'll be interested in are on there so uh, yeah check that out subscribe rate it and uh, yeah that's, that's it you can find me on the internet awesome <laughs> let's go
thank you for coming on again, Corey. And for all of our listeners out there, you know what to do. You know what to do, all right, at this point. Please make sure to give us a five-star review. Please make sure to also leave a comment if you listen to this podcast on Apple Podcasts. If you don't, it's okay. It, it really is okay because we're on Spotify, Google Play, Amazon, Alexa, Stitcher, you name it. We're all there on all audio streaming platforms. And please make sure to follow us on all social media platforms as well. Uh, we're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We got a TikTok. I think I got some ideas for what to do with that. So please make sure to follow us there. And that's it. Everyone, make sure to come back later this week for our Jets episode for the Knicks, Jets, etc. podcast. Let's go Knicks, baby.